In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes cost much more than dollars, we bring you expertise from around the world to ensure that everyone goes home safe every day. The internationally acclaimed Oil & Gas HSE podcast starts now with your host, Russell Stewart. Today, my guests on the show are Hunter Bankston and Brad Arnett. Guys, thanks for coming on the show today. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to let you two just introduce yourself to the audience. And uh, then we'll go from there and talk about some, I think, interesting ideas and concepts about how we can enhance safety and also some stuff about environmental monitoring and that sort of thing. Hunter, let's start with you. Tell me who you are and what's the name of your company and all that sort of thing. Yes, sir. My name is Hunter Bankston. I'm the CEO and founder of Echo360. We're a UAV or UAS remote sensing company. Basically, it means we fly drones. Okay. I was just going to say, and this is what I always have to do with my guests, all these acronyms and everything. So for the sake of us who aren't familiar with them, what's UAS? UAS is Unmanned Aerial Systems. Okay. And then you used another one. You said UAV? Unmanned Aerial Vehicle. Okay. All right. And I apologize. That's where I interrupted you because you were starting to explain that because I heard you mention drones. Yes, sir. Echo 360 provides these unmanned aerial systems. And I guess that includes the vehicles. So you've got the UAS technology and that includes the vehicles. That's the drones, right? That's the drones, right? And that's like the delivery platform. So it's basically a car. And the real meat of what we do gets down with the sensors. So you can put various remote sensors on these platforms to do various things, depending on what the application is. I mean, that's really what we specialize in. We've been doing it for seven, almost eight years now. We got in real early. And I mean, to circle back, my background was working with Brad actually in 2005 we were really in the early stages of what's now called reality capture. Reality capture is basically digitizing environments. And that can be done with, like I said, various sensors, detecting gases, doing thermal, RGB, which is photo video, photogrammetry. There's a number of different things that we can capture in an environment digitally so that people don't have to leave the office and travel thousands of miles to various sites. And that's really what we do. We do data visualization is really the key word of what we do. Okay. And where are you guys? We're based out of Hammond, Louisiana. It's on the North Shore, probably about 45 minutes outside New Orleans. Okay. All right. We're about 45 minutes away from Baton Rouge and Slidell. But Hammond is a small college town, and we can get anywhere pretty quickly because we have an intersection here with I-12 and I-55 interstate systems. So you're centrally located. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, We're in a good position geographically for the southeast portion of Louisiana. Okay. So Brad, introduce yourself. Tell us what you do at the company, and maybe you can start off by maybe just kind of giving us an overview or a brief introduction to USA technology in the oil and gas sector. Absolutely. So Brad Arnett, I'm CTO with Echo360. My major responsibilities are really just all the different sensors that we use and making sure that the aerial platforms themselves are operational. The sensor side of things for oil and gas specifically, we've got a few different ones. We've got a uh, TDLAS, which is a 
thermal diode laser system, which goes ahead and it can tell you parts per million of different volatile gases, like methane, for example, you can detect leaks very easily, long distances, pipeline spans, that sort of thing. And then we've got the optical gas imagery, which take an OGI camera and you can very clearly see where gas is coming from. And we just mount these on drones. We get them up there. The OGI is quad zero A compliant, so it meets the uh, EPA standards for all of that. And yeah, we just find the problems, we pinpoint them, and we turn that information over. Okay, so you talked about sensors. So you would go to a pipeline system and you install these sensors, or you go to a production facility and install them? How does that work? We don't actually have to install any kind of sensor anywhere. It's placed on the drone. We go ahead and we fly the area. We find the problems. We turn over the information. Oh, wow. Okay. So can you tell me a little bit more about how that works? Yeah. uh, So in the first case with the TDLAS system, we go ahead, we mount it on a drone. We've got a a long haul, high distance drone that we can fly 40 miles at a stretch. You've got to get like special clearance from the FAA to do that sort of thing, but we're well equipped and we've done all the documentation before. You get to fly over long distances, you get to find the problems fast, and you're not relying on something like the color of vegetation. You're not relying on a vegetation dying to be able to say, oh, there's a gas leak out here. And if the problem's fixed, you can refly it immediately and verify that it's fixed. So you're not dependent on anything that's got a time lag or anything that's subjective where if maybe the vegetation isn't dead yet, In this case, with the TDLAS system, you get the exact amount of parts per million of methane that's being leaked on the spot. So Down to one parts per million. Yeah, all the way down to one part. You used another acronym, TALS system? Yeah, and the second acronym that I used was OGI for uh, optical gas imaging. That literally, you can see the, uh, the cloud dispersing of the gas into the air. You can see where the leak is. It has to be a little bit higher than with the TDLAS system but you can see it actually see how much is jetting out and from exactly what gasket or a surface is leaking. So it's very accurate because it's visual. The OGI or optical gas imaging, you can see exactly where that leak is coming from and you can get a facility done. And when I say a facility, I mean a compressor station, a valve yard, whatever. You can get that done in about 30 minutes to an hour. So it's very, very fast. As far as the TD last goes, it's not so much visual. It'll show you parts per million of what it got a hit on geographically. So it'll be like little tags on a Google map or something like that. But the beauty of that is that if you're not relying on dead vegetation, you can time lapse this and see if issues have been resolved or not. Well, that's interesting. Explain that a little bit more. So traditional methods include helicopters or manned aircraft, and they'll fly the pipeline, and basically they're using RGB or photo for dead vegetation. And what we're doing is we're actually measuring the gas and even sniffer methods. I mean, it's better than that because sniffer methods, like traditionally, maybe you're three, four feet off the ground and the wind's blowing and stuff like that. The laser that we're shining, and that's what TDLAS is, it's a laser. It shines down from the drone at about 100, 150 feet, and it's got about a two and a half foot diameter on each side of the pipeline, and it's hitting right at the direct source where the seepage is happening, where it's coming out of the ground. 
and we're getting an accurate reading on that. So it's the most accurate thing out there right now. And what you're doing is, is you're creating this timeline. So if you have to inspect that pipeline, say quarterly, you can see visually like, okay, this leak that was a high priority that is marked red, it's been taken care of. Or maybe this one over here that was marked yellow hasn't been taken care of yet. We need to circle back to that. And it's marked yellow because it's not a high priority, but it is a leak. And the client sets the priority level based on the parts per million. So they can say up to this parts per million is green. That's something that we're not really worried about. Up to this parts per million is yellow. That's something that could be a concern in the future. But right now we're just looking for priorities and we'll circle back to that. Your last one is your priority. This is something that we need to address immediately. That's the ones on the timeline that you really want to take care of. And the EPA is actually, they're using the same technology we're using right now to go out and check facilities. We just had a client last week that got fined using the same exact technology we use. So we flew all their facilities and we ended up finding uh, seven leaks they didn't find. You found seven leaks that the EPA didn't find? That's correct. But the ones they did find, they got fined for, right? That's correct. That is correct. Yep. And we verified that the leak that the EPA did find had been corrected. So we flew that too. And we said, okay, yeah, you definitely fixed that. But we found seven more. And you need to address these or you you could get fined. Because this is something that we haven't heard of until just this year. It seems like the EPA is rolling this out for the environmental and safety issues. And this is just something that's going to continue moving forward. Are they using the same technology you're using and they're using drones? Same exact technology. Yeah, guys shows up with OGI or TDLS and he's looking for leaks. We do this every day. We've been doing it for seven, eight years, and we were one of the early adopters of the technology. It's not that old. It's probably about four or five years old, but we know what we're doing. And we came in there, we found six, seven leaks that the EPA hadn't identified and potentially saved that company a lot of money. And not only that, but I mean, it's not about the money either. It's not intrusive. Instead of erecting scaffolding where most of your accidents happen at elevated areas, erecting scaffolding to test something or to inspect it, drones, you don't have to do that. Like I said, it takes 30 minutes to an hour and we're out of there and you have clear mind. You're completely good. Obviously, and I'll throw you a softball question here, but these kind of services can definitely enhance safety for workers who are in hazardous environments, right? Anytime that you can identify a hazard early um, is a situation where you're going to save lives or at least eliminate the hazard. And that's what UAVs and UAS and drones and all this bring to the table is they can enter confined spaces. They can go into dangerous areas without the need of personnel going in there or the need of personnel erecting scaffolding. And you have to rely on mag locks or people tethering or anything like that. It's fast. It's efficient. It's very, very, very accurate. It saves money in the long run. It does cost money up front. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's worth it. 
Well, it's worth it because you're protecting the safety of the workers and you're also protecting the environment, which we'll move into here in just a moment. For example, this company that you're talking about where the EPA went in there and found that leak, they got fined, and you guys went in there and found seven more. And this was along a pipeline? This was actually storage tanks and facilities. Well, oh, we inspected okay. four different facilities in a matter of two days, mostly because of travel. I mean, it wasn't because of the amount of time we spent there, but we quickly, quickly, quickly identified where exactly those leaks were coming from. And some of these places, they didn't expect to find anything. So you physically went to the site and then you got whatever clearances you had to get and you launched the drone and went from there. That's correct. But we can fly pipelines as well. And the way that shows up is every 20 feet, we get a reading on that pipeline on both sides of the pipeline. So if seepage is happening on one side or the other, it doesn't matter. We're going to catch it. Like I said, it is very, very accurate. It's the most accurate, most efficient method of discovering uh, fugitive emissions on the market right now. And I'm out here speaking and joining associations and stuff like that to try and get awareness out there because a lot of people don't realize how accurate it is and how much money it will save them in the long run just based on lost emissions and safety and things like that. Exactly. Take this company that you use the example of. I mean, how often do you go back and monitor this stuff? Typically for like a facility, you could do it twice a year as an annual thing. And we would go in, we will find the leaks and then we'll put that over. And then within six months, you want to be back out there to confirm that they've corrected the issue. Okay. So give me an example where your UAS technology say, prevented a potential accident or a hazardous situation. I'm sure you have some. Yeah, I think any time that you find any fugitive emissions that a company did not know about would prevent a potential accident. Also, any incident where we find a leak where they didn't have to erect scaffolding or have a man lift or anything like that, or the timeline, just finding out whether the leak has been corrected or not things like that. I can't point to a specific incident that we've prevented because it didn't happen. <laughs> but I can definitely see if you got your drone way up there in the air. I mean, you're not having to send workers into these situations to try to detect this on their own. That's the big deal, right? That's right. It's not impeding the work of people who may be in that facility either. I mean, we fly right over them and it's done. There's not a ton of people in the facility trying to fight over space and stuff like that. There's a million reasons why this technology is so much safer. We just have to get the word out and educate people that it's the future and it is the way that things need to be done to save lives, to save injuries, and to save money. Well, yeah, absolutely. And of course, the environmental impact can be significant here, right? Oh, yeah. That's correct. Yep. I'll say right now that just some statistics I was recently made aware of when that accident happened, or maybe not, but when the Nord Stream pipelines were damaged, that entire event accounted for 173 kilotons of gas being released. Now, in the United States, the most optimistic estimate is that we're losing 1.2 million 
every year to leaks. That's the equivalent of a Nord Stream every two and a half weeks or so. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot of gas that's currently leaking. And a lot of it, there's just not been a good system to identify where those leaks are at. I mean, frankly, the way that things have been done in the past, whenever inspections are done, there's the areas that you expect there to be leaks. And then there's the areas where you might not be expecting anything. It might not get reviewed as often. And then a problem's left unaddressed for six months, nine months, a year and a half. And now these things are being left standing. Now the EPA is coming in with the same exact sensor technology that we're using, and they're finding these leaks very easily, and companies are getting fined, and these leaks have just been left doing that environmental damage, and it's lost product, too. It's lost product. It eliminates the whole human error situation, too. These sensors, they don't lie. They don't take off. And I'm not putting down on anybody out in the field or anything like that. I'm just saying it's extremely accurate. It's going to find something. It's very quick. So you say this technology is relatively new. What sparked y'all's interest in using this technology for this? Brad and I used to work for a company called OneSight Guardian, and we basically manufactured solar-powered surveillance units But we would attach additional sensors like weather data or traffic counters and things like that. This was back in like 2005, way back. And what we would do was we would feed this data to a web portal where anybody could view it. It was used on the levees and the pump house projects in Louisiana after Hurricane Katrina. And that's kind of where the idea for Echo 360 came from. Our whole mantra here is to provide as much data as possible visually so that everybody from the top down can be on the same page and make the correct decisions very quickly. Yeah, I'll I'll expand a little bit. Yeah, and just say that that's where we got our start with the different types of sensor technologies, just getting started with like machine learning and that sort of software too, where you could count the vehicles and all of that, turn things into usable metrics. Well, we started doing Echo 360, and then we started looking at, okay, well, what other sensors can we use that aren't just based on photograph and video? And we started out just running that on drones, but eventually we moved into infrared, we moved into aerial orthography, and then we started moving into photogrammetry, where you're creating like 3D digital models of things. And we moved into LiDAR, where you're getting accurate topography, even if it's below canopy. And then we started picking up optical gas imaging, TDLAS. And since then, it's been our bread and butter. So do you guys have oil and gas backgrounds? So Hunter does, especially. After OneSight Guardian, I got a job offer with TransCanada. And I was working in midstream, specifically on the TCVL reversal projects and on the overhauls going on in project documentation. And project documentation and reality capture and all that, I just started thinking about it all and how one day I was sitting in the office and I had a copy of some readings come in and it had like a boot print on it and it had oil stains and all this stuff. And it was just like, this is a billion dollar company. We need to step our game up a little bit. I started looking into some alternatives and that's really how Echo 360 was born. Okay, so where'd you come up with that name, Echo 360? Honestly, I had about a week before my first job because they were like, when can you start? (laughs) I thought about it and I said, okay, well, 
it's kind of like an echo because the way that we capture data, we send pings out and the data comes back like radar and then 360 because we're capturing everything. I got you. Okay. So what are some of the challenges or limitations you've encountered in implementing this UAS technology for hazardous substance units or HSUs? The biggest challenge that we've had so far is that so much of what we do is new and to get people on board with believing that this is the future and that this is the new way of doing things. What I've experienced was the first five years was given presentations, given presentations, and it's like, okay, well, this is a gray area where it's still not solid yet. And then the last two years, I would say we started getting phone calls from people we gave presentations to like three, four years ago that are now like, hey, you remember when you came in and you were talking about TDLAS or OGI or that, you know, like, hey, we'd like to talk to you about that again. Now, that's been our biggest hurdle. You know, being in the industry for seven, eight years now, doing what we're doing, even though it's been challenging the first five Now we have kind of like notoriety as being a specialist in our field, and we're very good at what we do. Well, if the EPA is using it, I would say that that makes it proven, at least from how you're trying to protect yourself there. This is what you need to fight fire with fire, huh? That's right. (laughs) (laughs) What advice would you give to companies in the oil and gas sector who might be considering the adoption of this UAS technology? I would say talk to people in the industry. Don't be scared to reach out to competitors and establish like a relationship because right now it's starting to be adopted finally. And it takes a whole village to get everybody to see what's happening in the future. And I would say that I would say don't be afraid to reach out to a competitor and just talk shop and stuff like that. In, in the early stages, we were pretty guarded about what we were doing and stuff like that because it was so new and we knew a lot about it. I would say if I could go back, that's the one thing I would change. So for those who are new to this and most folks are, to get a starting point, you would recommend for those new to this in the industry? Yeah, I would say start with something that your client needs and then start introducing them to other services. That's what's worked for us. Once you can provide a very fast, accurate deliverable on one service, they'll be interested in hearing what you have to say about the other services that you can offer. Well, guys, this has been very interesting. This is why people listen to this show. We bring this kind of information and technology to people. We'll definitely put your LinkedIn contact information in the show notes. We'll put the uh, website in the show notes. It doesn't take long when you're talking about interesting stuff like this to fill up a 30-minute conversation. So that's where we are right now. Anything else before we sign off? No, I would tell everybody out there to look into alternative methods because this is where everything is going. Okay. And look into Echo 360, right? That's correct. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Brad, you got anything else? Nope. I think that about covers it. Well, I hope that's what we've done. That's my job. This is, if I do say so myself, 
a top-rated HSE podcast. It's definitely not because of the host, but it's because of the quality of guests that we have that come on. And so, again, I want to thank you guys for coming on the show. And as always, want to thank everybody out there for listening. Tell your friends to listen. Post these things on your own LinkedIn and social media. And tune in again next week for another edition of the OGGN HSE podcast. And we'll see you next time. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. Tune in next week for another engaging episode of the Oil & Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.